Welcome to The Nix, where we talk about pop culture until we can't stand it anymore, and we nix it. I'm Justin Hartung. And I'm Fanny Darling. As always, a quick warning, there might be spoilers for anything we talk about on this podcast, but we always do our best to let you know that they're coming. This episode, we're talking The French Dispatch, and I also have thoughts on Dune, Eternals, and some found footage shit, because I take many bullets for Fanny. Fanny, who didn't ask for the bullets to be taken, and Justin, who would have taken the bullets anyway. So, yes, it is true. I would have seen many of these things anyways. Um, so these bullets are metaphorical. I mean, I and took the, the succession and, bullet. And the metaphor and is my loneliness. <laughs> it's sitting in a theater. Oh, so this is just a I'm mad that Fanny didn't come with me bullet. Not a I took them because 100%. I'm doing good for the human race yes, bullet. I mean, oh, okay, I got it. Never human race. Got um, it. All right, should we talk about The French Dispatch, the yes, movie we, we both did see? Yes, we should. Uh, this is Wes Anderson's 10th movie, which is crazy. Um, did you see his comments about uh, uh, Tarantino announcing about retirement? By the way, it was delightful. No, he did be- he give him super shade? He oh, gave him it. super shade and was like, if I were retiring... No, sorry, this is Paul Thomas Anderson. I'm confusing my... Oh. But I'm just I'm on that moody, tangent mood. like, somewhat... Yeah. And he was basically like, if I were retiring, I wouldn't just, like, say it. I would just do it. Right. And wouldn't say it for, like, in eight movies, I'm going to retire. Exactly. Okay, in seven movies, I'm... Shut up, yeah. Quentin. Nobody gives a shit. Retire exactly. already. So Wes Anderson has made ten movies, and this is his tenth, and it's an anthology <laughs> Are film. Are you sure? Focused on a fictional magazine, which is very much modeled after uh, The New Yorker, and it is... Uh, called The French Dispatch, and it relates reports of 1950s Paris to small-town America. Um, the insanely star-powered cast includes the likes of Owen Wilson, Benicio Del Toro, Leah Sadu, Adrian Brody, Tilda Swinton, Timothée Chalamet, <laughs> as I learned how to say this week, or you might know him as Timothy Chalamet, uh, Francis McDormand, Jeffrey Wright, Stephen Park, and of course Bill Murray, and that is just scratching the surface. Everybody is... The, this was a movie to get Justin's face-blind um, <laughs> brain into high activation. Yes. There was a lot of, like... I know that person, but I don't know who they are. And then I had to go look up later. Yes. Um, Ed Norton, I think, was Ed Norton, there. yeah. He was the, the chauffeur. Saoirse Ronan was the... I would not have known that except that I read that. Woman of the evening. That. Yeah. Uh, um, Christoph Waltz. Christoph Waltz in the real bad, like, like middle-aged man wig. Oh, it looked was, crazy. Oh, it was unfortunate. Yeah. I don't ever want to see Christoph Waltz look like that again. It upset me. <laughs> Didn't like it. Did weird things to me. Uh, Jason Schwartzman, who yeah. I think co-wrote this. Yeah, well, yeah. they just say, here, we'll let you write some words down so that you don't get as big a part so you don't irritate people as much. <laughs> God, I mean, I know that you got to have Coppola money, and so, yeah, you got to kiss some ass, and it's either Nicolas Cage or Jason Schwartzman, so probably he's less weird on set, but he's certainly more pretentious. But I would personally related to oh, Roman yeah, he's a Coppola? Coppola? Yeah, he's oh, because Roman Coppola was also a producer. I don't know if he's related. I don't know how he's... But he's a Coppola. He okay. is... I think he's, he's either a grandson or a grandnephew. Huh. Um, his mom is a Coppola. I didn't know that. Um, and 
I get it. You know, Nick Cage comes and is in as weird and brings Coppola money, but he's weird. I would personally rather deal with Nick Cage than the pretension that is Jason Schwartzman, but Schwartzman leaves me super icky cold. And Cage's like, I'd have a beer with Nick Cage. Yeah, and Schwartzman's putting up money to make this movie, so we're happy. Or, um, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think Wes Anderson needs his money anymore, <laughs> but at this point, I bet he kind of feels like he owes him. Probably so. true. Um, we're going to do non-spoilers first. Um, I guess first talk a little bit about we've talked about Wes Anderson on this uh-huh. podcast. That's how long we've been doing this. Talk a little bit about where you're at with him and his movies, and then non spoilers what you thought of this movie. I am weird with Anderson. I either am 100% in, or I'm like, yeah, I don't know. This one's not for me. And I, it, this is much like Chuck Palahniuk. I know in the first, first 50 pages of a Palinuk, probably first 10 minutes of an Anderson, if it's going to be one that's for me or if I should just turn it off. And uh, usually his animated things are super for me. Isle of Dogs, I could watch over and over and over again. Um, This one was for me. I loved it. And even on ones that it's like the story isn't for me or I'm not engaged, there's always something gorgeous to look at. His sense of style is so impeccable that you can just watch it like a magazine, even if you're not paying attention to the plot. However, this one, the, I don't know, it was for me. I found it delightful and, and touching. What'd you think? I did not really know anything about this other than there were a gazillion people and I'd seen right. the preview. I didn't know that it was about the New Yorker. Like I sort of read about that it was about, about a that magazine, later. but that was it. Yeah. yeah. I didn't think I knew it was about a magazine. I didn't know it was about an anthology. And I just surrendered to this thing within 10 or, you know, 10 minutes of just like, I think we're going to get to a point in, I mean, we won't be around, but when the younger children's are watching these films it's going to be like, um, you know, uh, what's his name? The the French uh, Cocteau. Mm-hmm. It's going to be, or Burton, I guess, or I don't know, Wells or Hitchcock. Like, there's just... Burton or Burton? Tim Burton. Oh, yeah. Tim Burton. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. I was thinking Richard and I was real confused. Such a, <laughs> like, st- stylish yeah. director in a way that it's just like pure cinema yeah. and so distinct that I think it's going to be like, what, what? Wow. And what Dan- would it have been like to have seen these movies in the theaters? And I feel right. fucking lucky that we, that we have these. his dialogue, his I mean, everything is so very Anderson. Yeah. And and everybody is so game to do it with him. Yeah. And you get the feeling. I mean, this cast alone, obviously, Wes Anderson must be good to work with and he must have a nice set and a good feel. Because, A, the people that he gets to come back, he always gets to come back. But so many people come just to do a little bit for him. So it's got to be a fun place to be an artist. Yeah, and totally. And I think that's awesome. And even if it leans twee, which it always does, oh, always, like but... you're sort of like, okay, that's the, that's his, uh, you know, that's his, his eccentricist, yeah. and eccentricity, his, his drawback. But it's like also his... It's a yeah. feature and a bug. And yeah. It's, Hitchcock did yeah, the same thing. Exactly. had the same... Um, and I think we'll get into spoilers here. Okay. This one had a little more, like, meat on it for me than some yeah. of the other ones. So it moved into a different level. I think just before we get into spoilers, viscerally, if you're in Anderson world and you like it, 
Um, this is the most Anderson-y Anderson yes. movie, and you will just love sitting back and letting the images and the rhythms pour over Always you. a cute animal somewhere on screen that you can find. I love that there's always some sort of, like, wiener dog or something that's walking across frame that, oh, look at that, that's cute, if, you know. Yeah. All right, we're going to go full spoilers, themes and all. Um, I didn't uh, think about my one. That's hard with him. Uh, one story, two story, three stories. One there, Makes an apology. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. One cameo, two cameos, three cameos. Yeah. 300 cameos. So, yeah, digging into spoilers on this movie. Um, as somebody who is an editor and has worked as an editor in journalism, whatever, this is just a love letter to, like... Yeah sort of curious minds, I think, is sort of how I would describe it. It's um, really just about the way that the anthology is structured is sort of these three journalists studying stories. If the journalists are kind of like alternately buffoon, buffoonish and also very curious and charming. And I love the fact that it really just celebrates this thing of like, let's tell stories about places and people and history and... Um, we're not always going to understand them. We're not going to understand right. the French, like, sort of 50s, like, Marxist revolution. But, right. like, we can sort of admire it and sort of see ourselves in it right. and see that it's, like, sort of foolish, but also, like, joyous and good. Mm -hmm. And um, there was just a lot here. Uh, Jeffrey Wright is the gay. Oh, God. Jeffrey Wright's I mean, the scene where story. Bill Murray comes to find him in the jail cell. So good. I, that... Touched me so much. Yeah, apparently he was riffing on some James Baldwin stuff, which I only oh, read about later. But I don't know. Interesting. I now yeah. that you say that, I can see it in the styling yeah. of the character that that I can see the Baldwin styling. Yeah, there's a humanism to this one that I felt like more than ever. It was sort of Anderson grappling with. Like I'm interested in like period and pe like set pieces and costume and mannerism, but like. Here's also why, because I'm interested in the stories set right. in those places and, in those times. And and in the repression of those times, but also the people who still saw each other. Yeah, 100%. And I loved that. And yeah. I just... Uh, Wright's story, the, the Chalamet, Norman, uh, you know, Francis McDormand story I loved, so too. Good. And I just... Yeah. I even really liked Elizabeth Moss, and I think there is a sense of, like... What, like talk about somebody who's I think good but lost and out of yeah. context and people seeing her and what she can do mm -hmm. it's sort of like oh this is this is the tribe you should be aligning yes. yourself with because like, she didn't watch once ironically stare glare at the camera instead yeah. she actually gave a performance right and in very, a little amount of time but, yeah in a little yeah. amount of time but then to have her be part of that staff and to be in the room at the end when they're all doing the obituary and doing the work of art yeah 100%. and this is and and come back to that elizabeth you know come back and don't don't worry so much about you being the darling of art come back to the work of it and that's that's where the nitty gritty happens and that's where we all see each other, you know, and that's where we all touch each other is when we're in the room figuring out how to do the art. And it's you know? so that's what the movie is about. And it's also about how the movie is made. Yeah. Which I think it's so interesting about the movie. Yeah. And about how those of us that do art, how we all need each other and how we intertwine and how we relate, even the art of revolution, if you will. You know, um, it's 
all intertwined. And I just, I thought it was so touching and lovely. And you could watch it very surface and really enjoy watching all the colors and the silly stories and the tweeness. But you can pull, you know, there there's some onion here. You can pull away a lot of layers and still have places to go in this movie. And I, I will revisit it. I loved it. I thought it was just great. Also, I got to give a shout out to uh, whoever did the soundtrack, and I read it before, and I didn't write it down, and I forgot. I think it's a French guy. Um, I think sometimes with Anderson, you get the sort of, uh, you know, like in Life Aquatic, you get the familiar songs, and I liked that this was just riffing on unknown music, and it really allowed you to just, like, sink into the visuals and the rhythm in a way, but it was also, man, that soundtrack, I was literally sitting there thinking, I'm going to, like listen to the soundtrack on Spotify. It was so perfect. Um, The scene of the waiter going up the stairs um, and sort of disappearing in the spots where you couldn't see him. And it reminded me of one of those like marble games where like the marble drops down. Well, and I said to Parker, that game that I've talked about on this show, the Spirit Farer that I played, that's like so lovely and soothing. There's lots of times on islands where you go into a building, but because of the way the game's set up, it's just a runner and you see yourself going through buildings like that. And so it was reminiscent in that. I was like, Parker, it's like Spirit Farer! And that game so touched as well that it was actually a, I, I don't think it was necessarily about Spiritfarer but there are that, that there may be other games too that touch like that Yeah, it, it was so well done and I did I loved that and there's also um, like a silent film Buster Keatony yep. kind of feeling to a lot of it there's a scene at some point where there are machine guns that blow away the barricades in sort of a, you know, French revolution sort yeah. of whatever way. And they crumble in this very sort of artificial, beautiful way that it's just, it's so funny about like, oh, all this shit is sort of like set design and meaningless, right. but also the stuff of history. Like yep. there's a great, man, I really, I, that's kind of my favorite movie that I've seen so this good. year. Swinton um, was fabulous. Oh my god! Talking through those chompers, I laughed me. so hard. So good, <laughs> and just all of the. I was in a. I can't even remember who wrote it now, and I apologies to whoever wrote Museum, which is this like very chewy, wordy uh, play that had no business being put on at Berkeley High, and yet I was in it, and I played the curator of a museum, and all of my lines were like, you know, like I'm sure you came to see it, but all of my lines were like monologues like this, and. I was watching her thinking, this is... I would not be surprised if they... I'll have to look it up. It's a somewhat famous play. But uh, if this character had influence from the museum play and that curator, it was so good. So funny. Yep. I also really loved um, Adrian Brody in that. Oh, Brody's I mean, so I, good. I, I and think he's I've been a, a little like... Eh, he was so good in that. He's, he's in Succession? Yeah. yeah. Oh, damn. And he's so good, Justin. Yeah. He just showed up and he is... Oh, he's perfect. It's nice to see him be funny. I think that's not yep. something I ever really thought of him as. Like, I mean, I know he was in that previous Wes Anderson movie. He was yeah. kind of funny, but he's really funny he's in this movie. Really, well, his whole the him and uh, Benicio del Toro, their whole story uh, basically so is good. you know the Oscar Wilde all art is useless type story, and yep. it's so good, so good, just 
Brilliant. Amnesia del Toro is great. It's, yep. I love this movie. Yep, I, me too. I kind of want to go watch it again right I now. I think so too. And Dave <laughs> has not seen it. And oh, I was really we like, need to take it. I would yeah. actually go to this movie again. I this would is too. the rare movie I want to go sit and watch again. Because yep. I also feel like I missed a lot of stuff. And, yeah, so um, much to watch in every corner yeah. of the screen. Yeah. Really, really good. Loved it. Yep. Um, all right. Uh, should we do? We did what, you, what saw you saw there. there. Yep. Um, I definitely did what you saw there this week because I saw Dune uh, in the theaters. You uh, duned what you did there. I duned what you did there. Um, Dune. It's fine. There's a lot of it's fine. Get ready for this. It's the it's a fine segment. <laughs> um, I, you know, uh, what's his name? The the director Denis Villeneuve um, is very stylish and sort of restrained and very French. And I liked Blade Runner 2049 when we saw it. Um, lots of good bah in that. <laughs> Arrival, lots of bah. Um, it was fine. I, did, I liked Arrival a little less than most people. That is to me. Yeah. Bah. Yeah. Um, I think the, the problem for me is the source. I just don't know that Dune really has much to tell anything. Buddy, now like it's i get that it's a seminal work i mean i talked to our shout out to our friend sebastian and uh former uh, you know guest and friend of the pod he dune he said dune has been so in his brain for so many years and this was just like such a perfect wonderful sort of visualization of everything that he'd had kicking around in his head and i get that for those people and right. i'm and happy, happy for that for those people yeah. but i i just was like watching it like i don't know what I mean, it's sort of a colonialism thing, but even the yeah. first half of it is like on its own is not a very complete thought about colonialism, and it ends very abruptly. Um, the acting is fine, but everybody's also sort of hampered by these, you know, giant sort of Game of Thronesy kind of things, but without you know full seasons of TV to sort of get into the characters. It is fine. <laughs> Um, Should it be a Games of Game of Thrones type show? Would that be more interesting, or would that just make it worse? You would have to totally rewrite it. I mean, yeah. I know they did this on Sci-Fi. I'd never watched that. I, they, I don't know. they did a mini series where I think they sort oh. of tried to flesh it out. But the the characters are not recognizably human, and I think Game of Thrones, even in its excess, sort of always managed to pull you into like. These are relatable human right. beings doing horrible things or good things or whatever. And Dune just lacks that. It's sort of just like these puppets, like, playing out. Like, you like puppets. I know, but I don't like boring puppet shows. It sort of <laughs> reminds me of, like, the worst, like, I'm going to tell the, the history lesson with a bunch of puppets and some great special effects. Um, the special effects are great. I don't know. I just wasn't that interested in this. Will I see the second half when it comes out? Because I've now watched... Two and a half hours of, like, the first half of it? Probably. It's not bad enough that I won't. <laughs> right. Um, but if you're into it, go see it in the theaters. I can't imagine watching this on HBO Max and getting anything out of it. Because it was <laughs> at least very visually expansive. There's lots of pretty pictures of the desert. Uh, Berkeley, uh, Julia Morgan native Zendaya, uh, which I did not know. She was so local. Um, she is in it for maybe 10 minutes. Yeah, they say that her character, from what I, I've heard, her character becomes quite important, but yeah. not until the next movie or two. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Just I think maybe we used to do our rating system. We were talking about this before. It's definitely just kind of a not for me. It's well made, but not for me. Um, Eternals. Oh, boy. Oh, I'm sorry. This is Look a hard conversation. I'm making a, we'll take a picture or something of me making a sad face. 
I was really excited for this movie. I love Chloe Zhao. I love, obviously, uh, Kamal Nanjani, who I've talked about forever. Um, I like most of the people involved in this. Um, It's hard to talk about this, because I feel like there's there's definitely, like, extremes happening on both sides where I think nobody... Many people don't want to admit that a movie made by Chloe Zhao that's so committed to diversity and shaking up Marvel could be bad. And also there are fanboys on the left that are like, I mean, not on the left, on the other side that are basically like, fuck this wokeness, this movie's garbage. It's not garbage. It's like very squarely in the middle as everybody's saying this. So I don't feel very like profound about this, but it is a, it tries to do something new and fails pretty roundly <laughs> and ends up being kind of a boring muddle of a movie in every tries. possible way. At least it tries, um, but it's uh, it's really disappointing. Uh, like, almost every turn you're just like, this director is not matched to the kind of material right. that they're doing. Um, the cast seems very adrift. The special effects are really patchy. There are just these weird... It's so it's so stuck in the middle of things. Like there's sort of these interesting characters and interesting ideas. Um, again about sort of colonialism. It's funny this keeps coming up in these movies, but it's really not like allowed to really get into them. The action scenes are just like a muddle and super boring. At the heart of it is what's his name? Richard Madden from Game of Thrones. Uh, yeah, Madden. and and Gemma Chan and the two of them are so boring and have so little chemistry and the characters are horribly underwritten and the peripheral characters are way more fun but there's like 10 Eternals in the movie and you're just sort of like oh Jesus like I don't know I don't I mean I just think this was a property they should have just stayed away from um yeah I don't know I I don't even think I can recommend this movie unless I, I don't know I mean Unless you want to look at uh, Nanjiani. I know, but they don't even <laughs> let him, like, take his shirt off. Like, well, why did he get all those muscles I don't know. Then? Everybody's saying, like... Wait, he doesn't take his shirt off? No. Everybody's like, why did he do that? And it's, like, a very good question because he does a Bollywood dance scene and then he's in his, like, Eternals outfit <laughs> making finger guns and shooting lasers. But you're like, yeah, no, you should have taken your shirt off, like, for most of the I movie. I mean, if you're going to go through all of that to get those guns... <laughs> yeah. Don't make the yeah, finger guns. It's it's a weirdly like you can definitely smell also really heavy like meddling and reshoots. Um nope. he, he disappears for the entire final act of the movie. And I mean I know I don't, it's like I know that his wife has immuno right. stuff. Oh, so, yeah. And so I my hunch is that they reshot this movie and that he was like, I I'm can't coming up. back yeah. during COVID. But I already did the she almost died on me once. I'm not doing it again. Yeah, yeah. and 100% fair. If that's oh. the case, I don't know that that's the case, but you, I, it feels kind of mean to beat up on this movie because all of this stuff feels right. like they were working against a lot of things. But sure. I mean, I almost want you to watch... I don't know. I don't wish you to watch it. You'd be so bored. It's boring. Uh, <laughs> I see. Uh, Paranormal Activity. Which next you've watched Kin, twice. Which I have watched twice. Unlike Eternals, which I would never watch twice. Um, this is the latest Paranormal Activity movie. I uh, Anyone who's listening to this podcast knows I love found footage movies. I enjoy most of the Paranormal Activity movies. They are bad and delightful. Um, this one is... The new kind of reboot, uh, it's so clearly this is not 
a parent is not at all connected to paranormal activity. They just like did a new story, and I'm sure the studio was like, "You need to put paranormal to paranormal activity on the name because it's a found footage movie, and that's what people want from you." Um, it is a culty Amish like creepy atmospheric. There is a nice new trick where basically people in it are uh, have new cameras and lighting, so it sort of lets it be a little more professionally lit. There's it definitely breaks the rules of like. Okay, where's the camera? Who's holding the camera? What? Right, where's the found footage happening? Yeah. If you're going to watch a, this movie that way, you're going to be super frustrated because it breaks that rule all the time. I'm not going to watch it that way, so that's fine. That said, I kind of watched it, was bad-mouthing it, making fun of it, and then my husband Dave got home from a trip, and I was like, I want to watch this with you because I know it's going to spook the shit out of you. And sure enough, you're mean. We watched it, and he was like, "Oh my god, ah, it's really scary. It's scary. It's fun. It's a if it were detached from the paranormal activity thing, I would have been like, that was a pretty fun found footage. Movie. I am afraid of the the. I've been watching some Paramount Plus, which means I can't skip over the ads. The ads for it, I do not like the ads for it. No, oh, thank you. I live alone did you in my see house. The potato peeler. I don't scene? know. Okay. Because I, I try not to look at the movie once it starts, and they say, I know, your mommy still lives here. Atmospherically, it is it is tense and claustrophobic. And I live alone, people. Yeah. I don't... They shouldn't be allowed to put scary... I should be able to opt out of scary movie previews if I can't opt out of ads. The only reason I'm saying this... I nix that. ...is I nix in the preview, there is a scene with a potato peeler that is... Horror is like one of the most horrifying things I've ever seen, Ugh. and I kind of next putting that in a preview because I watched it without. I was like, "It's a preview." They're not gonna. I was like, "Oh my god!" And then in the movie, I knew it was coming, so I could turn my head away. But it is. I don't know. We've talked about needles and phobias, Ooh. potato peelers, and skin. That's are now a thing, a thing with me. you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I've never liked potato peelers since. But- Ramona and Beezus used to talk about it in one of the Ramona and Beezus books where she was worried about her sister grating carrots and she was worried she was going to grate her hand because she was so tense about her parents' divorce. I got gotcha. Deep cut of Ramona and Beezus right I, st- I feel, okay, here's deep cut. About a week before Beverly Cleary died, I said, oh, Beverly Cleary's still alive, right? And I went to check because, you know, I wanted to make sure she was going to make it to 105 and two days later, she died. Oh, my God. And I feel like I killed Beverly Cleary. When did that happen? I don't like, know that I... Uh, a couple, a few months ago. God, I think two I or three missed months ago. that entirely. Yeah. Oh, man. That's But really it's sad. my fault. Man, Ramona books. If you've not read those, go read them. Go read them. So good. And I'm sorry that I killed Beverly Cleary. Yeah. Well, but she was riding her bike up to a couple of weeks before she died, so... Like motorcycle... Yeah, like... Ralph the like motorcycle Ralph the mo- mouse. Yeah. Um, all right. In a totally lighter note, Big Mouth. Season five. I think I've watched the last... I mean, I've watched them all, but the last season, at least, maybe the last two seasons, I was like, eh, they're running out of steam. I've talked about it here. I'm here to say I've watched the first two, or th- two, three episodes of Big Mouth season five. They are back on their game. This show is so raunchy and so delightful and so squirmy, but God, the second episode, which deals with, like, body issues and body dysmorphia 
and all the kids end up sort of torturing themselves to sort of deal with their body. And the shame, shame wizard, or as uh, you know, the gym teacher calls him, the shame lizard, uh, voiced by David Thewlis, is back. My favorite character. They all sing a song at the end about body dysmorphia, and it is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. I howled, howled laughing at this episode. Um, it's squirmy. It's very squirmy. There's lots of weird, inappropriate nudity. It's not for fanny. Conversations about micro penises, camel toe, all of the. It's just. It's, but it's such a good. Like, people should be having these conversations. Just like, we all freak out about our bodies and we shouldn't. Um, just accept them. So, what do you got? What did you do that they saw there? Um, okay. I got a free. It's a week of AMC Plus so that I could watch Ken, which is every Irish actor that I love in the world. It's based, they're calling it the Irish Sopranos because, you know, it's about a mob, so we have to call it the Sopranos. But it's also set in Dublin, and it's Charlie Cox and um, Emmett, I can't think of his last name, who was in Butterfly that we talked about that uh, is married to... Um, Colin Farrell's ex. Anyway, super good looking. He was in the, the that nice trans story on Hulu called uh, Butterfly Go Back oh, and Look. Right. Anyway, yeah. he's in it. Um I about that show. Uh Maria Kennedy Doyle, who's in every Irish thing in the world, uh Dumbledore's brother, <laughs> Kieran <laughs> Hines. Anyway, this is it's it's your standard, you know, mob story but also you know family mob and so it's my my jam i really enjoyed it i watched all eight episodes in the week that i had um i i would recommend it i when when the second season comes back i will watch it again but it is pretty standard fare um lots of pretty irish people being irish and killing each other sure yeah yeah, yeah. with ken and next of ken yes exactly (laughs) Okay, on Amazon Prime, I watched The Manor. This is a Bloomhouse horror movie with Barbara Hershey and Bruce Davidson. And this is an older woman goes uh, has a stroke. And so she because she doesn't want to be a burden to her family and her uh, grandson, who she's super close to, she goes into a old folks home in a Victorian mansion and... There may or may not be witches there that may or may not be doing witchy things and some people want to stay young and how does that happen? This was surprisingly effective. Ooh. <laughs> um, it's not good. Okay. I'm not going to give you that it's good. But it was fun and campy and kind of what I was in the mood for. And, you know, Bruce Davidson, uh, Barbara Hershey, Jill Larson, the even the kid that played the, the grandson... These are all competent actors who know what they're doing. Sierra Patton. Um, it's it's effective. I It's free. Check it out. It may not be for you, but it may be a fun way to spend a couple of hours. Not too gory? Um, not too gory at all. Good. Like, you know, kind of jump scares and, and yeah. like cheese, but not, not gory. I'm about to go downstairs and watch this yeah. right after this podcast. <laughs> yeah, you should try it out. I mean, it won't, you won't be sorry, and if you, you are, you can just turn it off. Nice. Um, uh, the Good Fight on Paramount Plus, Plus, I've been talking about, they finally wrapped up their season so I could spend a month's worth of a subscription and watch all of that. I love this show. You need to watch this. I love this show. It's, you know, it's, a, it's CBS when you absolutely positively have to say fuck. And, and <laughs> I, Christine Baranski and Gary Cole... 
I could watch them share a scene and just talk about the newspaper articles for anything. And their characters, they have such crackling, wonderful chemistry. I love them. And, and they have good stories this season between them. Audrey McDonald is great. Everybody on this show is great. It's so much fun. It's campy. It's out there. It's silly. Mandy Patinkin plays this guy who decides that he's just going to have a courtroom and try and stir up the, the he's actually just owns a copy shop, but he's having a, a courtroom and it's, it's interesting in ways to think about stuff, and everybody's just good and having a great time. Nice. Uh, you and I both watched at least the first episode of We're Here. There's not too much to say about this show, except go watch the show and <laughs> so cry bad. and feel good about human humanity. And this is the show where uh, Shangela and Eureka and Bob the Drag Queen from RuPaul's Drag Race go into small towns and put on drag shows with people who need them for some reason. And just watch, just watch the show. Don't even so good. Don't even. Turn us off, come back after you've watched an episode of We're Here, because, oh my god, it is just always so life-affirming. Disney Plus, I watched Just Beyond, which is like the new Goosebumps for the new generation. This is not good. I still enjoyed it. It's not good. Don't watch it. Uh, I think this was Hulu that I watched the next two horror films. I had a, you know, we we had Halloween since the last time we've talked. Yeah. I watched A Dark Song, which I believe you had also seen, which is a super slow, atmospheric uh, horror movie about a woman who hires a man to help her go through this like months long occult ritual which is actually a real ritual i went oh wow i went down a rabbit hole after watching this movie and this is like some real shit this is apparently extremely well researched um to try and get to her guardian angel to be granted a wish and he is willing to help her because he will also get a wish i actually enjoyed this more like, as I was watching it, I didn't enjoy it so much. I have thought about it more than I thought I would. Nice. And I actually ended up really liking the ending. I remember liking I it, and I'm go... not sure I made it to the end, so maybe I should give it another Yeah, watch. I don't want to go into the spoiler yeah. of, but she gets to ask for her wish. Nice. And, and I thought that it was, okay. it may have been what you thought was going to happen, but also yeah. I, I enjoyed it. I thought that was a good choice. Yeah. And his wish is also fulfilled and in a yeah, really smart really way. it's really a horror film. Not really, no. There's a couple of jumps there yeah. at the end when she starts to get super deep into it and the demons yeah. start to show up. You there's like a couple of creepy things yeah. but it was shot on super low budget yeah i respected this film a lot while i was watching it but didn't particularly like it while i was watching it right now that i'm talking about it and that i've thought about it i actually think i liked it a lot nice um i also watched the other lamb when i tell you that this was shot in ireland and stars michael Huseman and is about a cult you will know why i watched it um and it's not lamb no, it's, it's the other the lamb. Other lamb. <laughs> There's also a lamb movie. Because he's a cult leader where he you know, marries a whole bunch of women and then they have a whole bunch of kids and they're all girls and then you know, Creepy you stuff. have to kind of like those women too because you know, they all have to become wives. And, and the one girl, it's, it's centers on a one girl who's kind of coming of age and is realizing that this is probably not the best situation. I'd like to think that I wouldn't join a cult. But again, this was shot in Ireland, and Michael <laughs> Huseman is the... the I, I am only so strong, you guys. Um, I would not join this cult. <laughs> I'm not going to say it's not worth watching, 
but it's not really worth watching and it's kind of predictable and but all the performances are good Houston's very good and very creepy but yeah I wouldn't go go watch a dark song or even <laughs> the manor before you go to the other lamb um Four hours at the Capitol. Uh, there's the bullet I took for you. Hundred <laughs> percent. I don't know how you watched that. I was just gonna say it on um, HBO. I had heard so much about it. It was harrowing, but it was also it was so much more of a deep dive into the minute by minute and watching how it went down that it was fascinating and it kind of felt like a good way to really close it for me of you see it actually all go down and how bad it really was and i'm not making it up in my head that this was terrifying right and you can stop telling me that i thought that that i'm being alarmist you know what i mean the world can stop saying that because this was a terrorist act we got the document (laughs) it was an attempt to overthrow the government and they came really fucking close yeah and um yeah. In 10 years, watch it. it yeah. It's worth watching. I totally understand why nobody can, if can nobody you can watch it. believe that was 11 it. months ago? Yeah. It's like, it feels way too fresh for me to watch yeah. it. And yet also, I'm like, oh my God, that was 11 months ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, you want some lightheartedness? Paramount Plus uh, has Queen Pens, which is uh, Kirby Baptiste. What is her first name? Who was Simone on The Good Place? I know who you're talking about. And, yeah. uh, and I remember Kirby Baptiste, but I can't. Right. I can't remember. I always want to call her Simone. Um, and uh, Kristen Bell, and it's a true story of these two women who were super into couponings, and then went into this like crazy scheme where they stole uh, free. They stole coupons where people could get something free and then sold them for half price, and then have to launder money and. It's fun. It's, it's fun. Yeah. It's fun. And there's this one great scene where she and, and uh, Kirby Baptiste sing, um, and it's fun. And it's not great, but okay. they are so obviously really enjoy each other and are friends. And it's, you know, it's like a crazy heist girl power story. Uh, I've only watched the first two episodes. So we'll see. Okay. I'll, watch I'll check that it. out. Yeah. God, I just um, canceled my Paramount Plus, but now I might need to. It's on Amazon. <laughs> okay. Let's <laughs> just log on to my Amazon. You're good. Um, Yellow Jackets. This is on uh, Showtime. Have you heard anything about this? I have not. This is Christina Ricci and Schmiantology's own uh, Juliette Lewis and my own love of my life, uh, Melanie Linsky, um, who I swear to God, somewhere in the world, Melanie Linsky and I are friends. <laughs> um, and uh, the girl from Sweet Bitter. Uh, anyway, oh, it's, yeah. there's a there. It's told in two time periods: 1996 and the present. In 1996, they were all soccer players. They got on a like world class soccer players in high school. They got on a plane. The plane crashed. 19 months later, some of them got rescued. Okay, something happened, and hmm. there's some flashbacks where they're in like some animal skins and like big things and eating flesh that may or may not be the other ones. What? And now there's reporters snooping around. This is trash. So this is like lost? (laughs) Kind of, yeah. Okay. Sort of. But I don't know that there's any supernatural thing. Okay. So, yeah, this is hot garbage, and I really, really will watch all of it. (laughs) It's not good, but all the performances are, at least I don't think it's good. I can't tell. It's like 
remember the wilds? No, I remember that you don't remember the right. wilds, but you did watch it. It's that kind of feel. Okay. Of, um, and I want to think that there's going to be something more than it's a cannibal story because that's quite obvious yeah. what they're leaning into. So right. I'm hoping there's going to be some more depth to it. Yeah. And it's getting all kinds of like they've been pushing it like crazy on Showtime. So we'll see. I know I said I'm not watching it and I'm not doing it. I'm crossing my arms. I hated the finale so fucking bad and it's going to be trash. But then I had to prove to myself that I should not watch. What I, and when I wrote, made the note, I wrote Dexter Redemption because I was thinking of Leverage Redemption, <laughs> which is really good and doesn't have Timothy Hutton, so it is a redemption. Then, no, this is Dexter New Blood. Really bad. I've been hearing it's really bad. Even people that wanted it to be good, it's like... This yeah. is me just blinking at Justin. <laughs> this is so bad. Yeah. Like, it, like, I expected it to be bad, and it is so bad. And I'm so sad because I like Michael C. Hall. I hated the last two ep- it, uh, seasons of Dexter. It, it's so bad and so fucking predictable. Like, I could, the minute a scene would happen, I'm like, okay, so very early on, he gets pulled over, and you're, and it's like a woman cop, and you're like, okay, so this is his girlfriend, and they're, you know, and they want us to think he's getting pulled over, and in a minute, they're gonna start having sex, and they're just playing around with each other. Guess what? That was his girlfriend in the small town, and they, yeah. That's really bad. But it was, everything was conveyed instantly. You could just, oh. Yeah. I'm not going to watch that. I mean, I never watched the first one, so I dodged a bullet there. Succession, my quotes for this week are, um, I would castrate you and marry you in a second, Greg. Yeah. It's, it. Trust me, it was fabulous. And Were you excited to see the Cousin Greg profile in the New York Times this week? I didn't read it, There's but I'm always excited There's a whole New York Times Cousin article Greg. about Cousin Greg and the actor that plays him, which I Nicholas Braun is awesome. Yeah. He's great. And he's hilarious. Um, and then also, uh, Roman asks, Kendall, do you have a kink for, like, almost killing dad? Like, just the tip, but for, like, almost killing dad? I think I overheard that in the background while Dave it's was watching it. It's a great line. I did not enjoy that line. It's a hilarious <laughs> line. Okay, in our very first episode, I talked about paper dolls. The book, right? remember? Yeah, and I want and I okay. It and at the time, points? I went and I looked, and it they wanted like twenty dollars, and I was like, I'm not paying twenty dollars. In the meantime, it went up to like fifty dollars, and I was still mad that I hadn't bought it for twenty. Found it for twenty five dollars. I now own paper dolls. You guys, nice. I'm going to read it again. I own it. It's mine. It's exactly as beautiful with uh, with um, not Laura Dern, the other blonde one. Um, <laughs> Daryl Hannah. Daryl Hannah. Do I, yes, Daryl Hannah okay. on the front of the cover. I'm going to read it and I'll report back because I'm sure it's just terrible. But there are scenes from this book that I remember. And when I when I like, why posted, is Daryl Hannah on the cover? Because she was in the show. Oh, and the got movie. It. Yeah. Okay. Um, when I posted about it, there were several people of my own age that were like, "Oh my god, I totally remember that," and we're very excited that I bought it. So I will be reporting back to tell you about all of the scenes that I remember, like the one where Lori pulls down her Vogue cover when she decides to not be a model anymore because modeling is bad. Gotta stick to your guns. Moral, yeah. I own it. It's mine. I paid (laughs) a stupid amount of money for it. I mean, less than $50, but I think with shipping, I think it was 30. Yeah. Sometimes you gotta treat yourself. Yeah. Okay. Where can they you, talk to us about all this stuff? You can. Tell us what book you bought for a stupid amount of money. You can do that at Facebook. Just search for the next podcast. Uh, you can 
send us a regular old email and you can do that at emotion that's emotion to nicks at gmail.com you can send us a tweet at the nicks podcast and i am at fanny v darling and i'm at justin hartung have a good couple of weeks or however long